seriously a conspiracy. Hello, welcome to the Seriously Conspiracy Podcast. My name is Izzy. I'm Maddie. And we are Seriously Conspiracy Sisters, and we will be discussing our favorite conspiracy theories. Yep, this is take 25 after a few... Yes, I, I started with hello and proceeded to burst into laughter immediately. Yeah, it was not good. As you can tell, we are beginners. This is our first... I don't know if they could tell or well, crow. <laughs> I have, you know, I have listened to many podcasts. We are podcast fanatics, but this is our first stab at an actual podcast. So you might be thinking, what's the deal? How does this work? And... Don't worry, we're going to explain it before you jump into this podcast. And, as the title suggests, we are serious about our podcast and conspiracies. <laughs> I, I thought you were about to say we are serious about conspiracies. <laughs> I don't know why. That would not have been good. No. I don't think that would have made a lot of sense. It sounded better in my head. So, how, so if you're still with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how this works is we are going to choose a new conspiracy theory every week, and we're not going to tell each other which one pre- we're presenting, and we're just going to, you know, get into some discussion about whether we believe it, whether it's insane, whether it's probable, you know, the deal. So yeah, I'll tell a conspiracy to Izzy, um, and Izzy will tell one to me. And we, conspiracy loosely. Like, it could be supernatural, it could be a mysterious death, or I don't know. Anything. Yeah, we might dip our toe here into some other categories, like, you might see some true crime come up, you might see some extraterrestrial conversation. It's kind of all fair game if it feels a little bit, like, murky and unexplained. Yeah, and we pretty much just started this out of, what, COVID boredom? Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, so, so, yeah. We've been talking about conspiracy theories anyway, so might as well tell them to each other and to anyone who might be at all interested in listening to two idiots talk about it. We already discuss this stuff all the time. Um, if you heard our conversations without a mic, it's pretty much me being a conspiracy fanatic and Maddie being very doubtful about my beliefs. Not your beliefs. I'm the just, I need evidence. Like, don't make it sound like it's religion now. Like, <laughs> my beliefs. I present pretty good evidence, I would say. But so, Well, and then sometimes you just follow me up the stairs, like, this morning and just will keep that, that's being a, a fanatic. Fanatic is a good word for you. Yeah, I I would say I tend to be more, I don't want to say gullible, but more... I would say gullible. (laughs) More willing to believe in the impossible or the unexplained so far in society. And Maddie is more logical and resistant. Logical is Resistant is a good word for it. Okay, we haven't decided who's going to go first yet, and... No. I So we talked about before we started whether we were going to choose off mic, and I thought this would be a fun little moment to have a little rock, paper, scissors, shoot action to see who's going to go first. In an audio medium? Yes. When they can't <laughs> see what we're doing? Um, 
I thought it would be fun. Now I'm realizing <laughs> that that might not be the best. It's only going to be fun for us. Yeah. What do you think we should do? Um. I mean, I don't know. Do you want to go first? I'll dive in first. Um. We've not talked about these, by the way, which is difficult because we do share a house because we are sisters. And so we've it, just been like slyly talking around it, like doing research. Or we'll mention like certain aspects about our things. I definitely wanted to do something important for the first one. And this one was important to me because this was the first sort of conspiracy-like thing that got me to feel a scared, like, deep, intense human emotion. And I've never felt, <laughs> I've never felt, like, such a reaction to something in my, like, society and existence until I heard this theory. And like, what emotion? Like, was it like joy? I, I don't think I'm describing this as well as I want to be. I would say that I, you know, I felt all range of emotions throughout childhood as every, or as most kids, I hope, feel. But this was the, this was the first time I really, like, questioned the fabric of my existence. And it's, I know that sounds really dramatic. And when you hear my theory, you're probably gonna think, like, really, this made you, but this was the first time I can remember, at least, where I, like, couldn't sit still in class because I was just constantly thinking about this. So that's why I chose this theory. I'm going to be talking about Yellowstone National Park. That's what I chose. And I know nothing about this, so I'm excited. Well, we're about to jump right in. So Yellowstone National Park, I, I hope you've heard of it. If you haven't, it's a, well, it's a park, uh, and it's mostly in Wyoming. (laughs) It's a park. (laughs) Sorry, that's the that's the info I need. That's the conspiracy. That it's a park. Oh, uh, no. shocker! <laughs> Mostly in Wyoming, but it's also in parts of Idaho and Montana. And if you don't know, there is a volcano, pretty much, basically underneath the park. Um, it's it's squarely over, like pretty much a giant active volcano, and. It's been a park since 1872. Oh yeah, by the way, I should mention my sources. My information comes from the Washington Post, the New York Times, the U.S. Geological Survey. That's for the more factual information, I would say. (laughs) For the information where there is a verified source. uh, The conspiracy aspect and the more speculative, uh, you know, sources, I would say come from a lot of Reddit, uh, a lot of online sources, YouTube, just, uh, you know, this isn't just my ideas. This is a lot, this is more an overview of humanity speculation. Humanity? Yeah, humanity. This is a humanity problem. So, so you were telling me about a park. Yes. Yellowstone is on top of a active volcano, and it's had a few eruptions throughout history that, you know, we've been able to figure out through investigation, I guess. Is through science? Through science, yeah. Because you tell um, me about the science. Well, no, so that's a fact. This is a fact, and no one disagrees. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry to sound like a politician. <laughs> no one disagrees, and everyone agrees that I'm right, and this is the only truth. 
No, so this is a fact. There is an active volcano, and it's 44 miles long, and this thing is still fully alive, and it's had a few insane eruptions throughout existence, and not while humanity's been around. But we figured out that there has been, I think, about two or three, I don't remember the exact amount, and if these were to occur when humanity was on the planet, it would have been catastrophic. Um, how catastrophic, we're going to get into a little later. There's a lot of speculation. But we all agree and we all understand that it's experienced three eruptions. And I it's from two million, one million, and like half a million years ago. Those were when it happened. Um... So let's get into the conspiracy part. There are some people that say Yellowstone's not going to erupt again. Uh, there are some people say that Yellowstone will likely erupt again, but it's not going to be anytime soon. And if it is, we're going to see warning signs before and we're keeping track of it. And it's even if it erupts, it might not be a serious problem, as serious as it has been in the past. Didn't you just say it's a 44-mile-long volcano, though? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm not saying I agree with any of these. I'm presenting all of the arguments. I'm just saying, like... First argument, it won't erupt again. Second argument, it's probably going to erupt again, but not any time we have to worry about, and it might not be as bad as we think. Third argument, Yellowstone is overdue to erupt, and it's going to happen soon, and America is unprepared for this, and it's going to be devastating. Uh, and... Let's see. Next argument. Sorry. I admit I'm going through my notes and I am an unorganized mess. Maddie would know. Yeah. Me and Izzy, uh, in addition to our perspective about conspiracies, um, Izzy and I share many opposites as sisters um, in every way. She's super neat. I'm super disorganized. If that's your jam, bear with me. Okay. Next argument that people have presented not only will Yellowstone erupt, but the government is aware of it. <laughs> I'd hope they'd be aware of a 44-mile-long volcano. Well, this argument says that it's going to erupt soon, and the government has determined that we're not technologically advanced enough to solve this issue. So they're merely coasting right now because they know this tragedy is inevitable and it's going to happen, and... They don't want people to panic, so they're not presenting the information. That's one argument. I'm not saying I agree. I'm just I'm just being real with y'all. I'm not Southern. I don't know why I said y'all. I mean, but what's the government going? It's a volcano. I... What are they going to do? <laughs> Who's when we're going to send the Senate down there to take care of it? Like, we're going to we're going to send the VP himself. I'm just I'm just saying like what, are, what, what do we expect them to do? <laughs> well, so the last theory is gonna... It's it's the most out there one, I would say, but it's the most conspiracy-like. Some people think that the government is engineering a way to trigger the eruption <laughs> themselves. And by triggering this, it's going to correct overpopulation worries and... It would also give them more means to direct a government takeover in the process. <laughs> Wait, what? That's the last theory. <laughs> what do you mean? They're, they're already the government. What do you mean a government takeover? So we're going to start from square one. We're going to start from square one. Some people just think it's never going to erupt again. And 
obviously that's oh, kind we're of... going back now yeah we're going back i presented all the cases oh i'm gonna do mine we're very differently go for it you do your thing i'll do mine i'm gonna go back to square one because i think that's the more ideal scenario where it's not gonna erupt again and some scientists say i think this source is from the um u.s geological survey that volcanoes are not predictable and they don't follow schedules and even if they did the math doesn't work out because it's an average of about 725 years between eruptions and if that was the case we still have about 100,000 years to go so if you're trying to build out like a prediction model for it the math wouldn't even work out for it to be erupting soon um but these averages are meaningless some scientists think because Volcanoes do not have any predictable measure. Um, See, I like the scientists. Well, I, yeah, I trust the scientists the, a little. I knew you would find this one appealing because there's a lot. There's an analytical argument. Because there's evidence. And although a catastrophic event is possible, which all scientists agree, they're not convinced it's ever going to happen because the magma chamber beneath Yellowstone is only about five to 15% molten. So it's not even clear if there's enough magma to feed an eruption to happen. So they're saying, don't worry, this is all super theoretical. I like that. I like it too, <laughs> but it's not <laughs> accounting for the real concerns I have. So I'm not- <laughs> You as a scientist. <laughs> Me as a You the high school being. senior. I will tell you, I think I found out about this theory in, like, sixth grade, maybe, and I could not sit still in math class, history class, English, anything. Be I would be on the verge of peeing my pants and looking at the clock <laughs> every ten seconds because I was like, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen in ten seconds. It's gonna happen. And every second that the volcano did not erupt was a second where I could breathe again, but then I'd be worried about the next second. Not a good way to live, I don't suggest it, but that's that's the kind of worry this instilled in me, this conspiracy. So we're gonna move on to the, you know, the little more ideal situation, but still a little concerning that it it's gonna erupt, but not anytime soon. We don't need to worry about it. Um, this argument, a lot of scientists claim that it's, the most likely eruption is going to be like a geyser um and not like the full-on molten lava situation um and so that could have implications too but it's not going to be as severe um michael poland says it's an active volcano and it will erupt again he's the scientist in charge at yellowstone so that is concerning to me i mean but but you just said, like, what are the differences of opinions that are leading science, scientists to conclude different things? It's just different interpretations of the evidence. <laughs> so that one's the right one, and this is the wrong one. <laughs> so this is saying that there's going to be warning signs that happen, even if there's an eruption. Some scientists yeah, I buy that. don't agree, but, like, there'd be large earthquakes and... Um, you know, you'd see, like, animals scattering away, and there'd be, oh, like... Oh, wait, I did see something, mm -hmm. though, that animals are already doing that. Exactly! Which gets into a different theory. 
that, but sorry, there is cut in front of the line. There. there, there would be warning signs, and it would be like decades before we would like we would be able to predict decades before if it was going to erupt. And um, Arizona State University had a researcher who said like that kind of time scale, it's not going to happen tomorrow. Um, it could it happen soon, mm, maybe, but probably not. That's like. I think a pretty rational argument. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling like I'm in the world of so my world, you know, rational, level-headed. Some scientists though take this evidence and they think like we're overdue for an eruption. That I I I've heard a lot of panic about like it's only a matter of time scenario. <laughs> Where are you hearing a lot of panic about like we're in the middle of the COVID pandemic and yet Izzy's on the Reddit forums of people. I, okay. Living day to day for the Yellowstone catastrophe. That's fair. So let me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I worry about every possible scenario that could happen, and th- it makes sense that I presented a doomsday situation for the first episode. Oh, it makes so much. God, if in case this wasn't clear, this makes so much sense <laughs> for her. Let's lay out what would happen if this thing erupted, or at least a prediction of what would happen. Increasingly intense earthquakes. Phase one. <laughs> Sign of magna beneath Yellowstone rushing towards the surface. Then it would burst through the ground in a titanic eruption. This is from the New York Times, an article. <laughs> so it's legit. So it's true. <laughs> it's true. That means everything on the internet you read is true. Um, and it would, it would discharge toxic inwards to the earth and it would continue for days within, like, the Yellowstone 40-mile radius. So if, I'm sorry if you live near Yellowstone. Like, I I just (laughs) want to personally apologize to anyone who lives in this area. You might as well buy your casket now. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Sorry. That's harsh. I'm kidding. Um, Except for not. Except I'm not. Um, that's true. And despite the weather patterns, pretty much the whole Midwest would get a few inches of, like, toxic volcanic ash and when I was younger I thought like ash like I'll be fine I'll just pull like a towel over my head you can't do that you're gonna die if you do that (laughs) what do you mean you're gonna die well toxic volcanic ash oh toxic I didn't hear toxic well even if I didn't say toxic Maddie like inches of volcanic ash (laughs) (laughs) you're looking at me like I I should have a preconception of what ash will do to me I this I'm going to quote the article. This would plunge the region into darkness. Have you ever heard anything more terrifying than that? I haven't. Um, And even the coast, which is where most Americans live, would see a dusting of ash. Crops would be destroyed so you can forget about your avocados. (laughs) This just became real. This became real. It's becoming doomsday. Um... Power lines, electrical units would be because the avocado comes before power lines. Um, you really put them in the right list. The aerosols of that would be released would spread globally. Uh, it would pretty much be a huge existential risk. The greatest catastrophe since the dawn of civilization is the words of a 2015 report, and the probability of this super eruption to the support. This report claimed was one in seven hundred thirty hundred thousand. Wait, say that number again. One in seven hundred thirty thousand. Oh, okay. So just to 
give you a sense of scale. In any given year, the probability being struck by lightning is one in 700,000. So that's not that far off from being struck from lightning. And the probability of being attacked by a shark is one in 3.75 million. That's from National Geographic, by the way. Um, so if we're to compare, a lot of people are scared of being attacked by a shark. But not a lot of people even know about the Yellowstone volcano. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is highly problematic. I think if you're more likely to die in a giant volcano eruption than a shark attack, we've got a problem, Houston. In my opinion. But I mean, it's not like, like, the shark and lightning are based off of data, though. Like, there's no data for the number of times it didn't blow up. Like, well, like, how are they calculating, like, the probability of, like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. There, there's no, so, yeah, it hasn't happened once, so it's like, there's no. It, ha it has erupted, though, more than once. It's erupted three times. Okay, I didn't, well, you didn't really. I said that. You did say it, but I just don't, I don't know my Yellowstone <laughs> history. Well, get on it. Um, so mm -hmm. we're going to move on to building off of this theory that it's going to erupt and better yet, or worse yet, depending on who you are in this situation, the government is aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where you're, where, so this is where we go from the realm of fact to the realm everyone of get, fiction. Everyone put on your tinfoil hats and join me. So, in this, like, spring, I think, yeah, March around, there was a 6.5 earthquake in Idaho and a 5.7 earthquake in Salt Lake City. Um, I don't know what those are on a scale. I don't know what the worst is. I think 10's the worst. 10's the worst, so those are pretty bad. And I don't know. Don't ask me. People, are, people are, were trying to tie these earthquakes to the Yellowstone situation because they were like wait because keep in mind COVID was at the peak it's still a problem as of the time we're recording this now but people were like wait a second there's two major earthquakes near a 44 mile like doomsday device maybe it's related and the U.S. Geological Survey kind of came out and they were like don't worry, guys. This isn't related. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and your tone makes it sound like you think that that's well, untrue. They tweeted. They tweeted out. They, it was enough of a worry for them to tweet. Once again, folks, internet rumors aside, the recent hashtag earthquakes on hashtag Idaho and hashtag Utah are not related to volcanic activity in hashtag Yellowstone. Okay, well, someone needs to tell, what's that, the what group is it? U.S. Geological Survey. Someone needs to tell them, you don't need to hashtag every word. Like, I, I don't need hashtag Idaho, hashtag. They sound like what I used to do in 2013, where I was just like, everyone hashtag love, hashtag peace. Oh, yeah, it's whatever still goes on, like, Instagram. of like. I feel like people have moved on from the hashtags. Some people, but then other people, like, just do a bunch of spaces, and then at the bottom is, like, oh. and, like they just do everything. But that yeah. was, like, that was Instagram in 2010. I don't know. Yeah, they're Time. they're a little bit stuck in 2010 here. I just um, don't know what the the hashtags aren't serving a purpose. Like, I would think I didn't they, need hashtag earthquake. I would think they wouldn't want to hashtag this whole situation because hashtags are supposed to get more clicks, right? And I don't know. You don't really want people to figure out about the yellow tone situation. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, 
That was Mike Pullen. Up your Twitter game. Like, U.S. <laughs> Geological Survey. So, um, that's a sign people thought could be that it's coming soon and the government knows it and they're trying to cover it up. There's also been videos arising of animals running away from Yellowstone. And I've seen a few of these and it's creeping me out. I did see, I did hear about this, but I didn't really think too much of it. I'm, I'm not going to jump on, like, the the government is lying to us bandwagon. <laughs> really? <laughs> I Thank you! I don't even know if I believe that. I'm just saying <clears throat> I don't have an explanation for why there are herds of animals running away from Yellowstone. And in history, we know that that's not a good sign. That means catastrophe is on its way. But, I don't know. If you want to check out those videos, I'm sure there's a lot on YouTube. It, this is a podcast, so I don't think it'd be that entertaining to listen to us watch the video. Let's describe the video frame by frame <laughs> for lovely listeners. Frame by frame. We open up on some trees. <laughs> and here we have the national... I can't do an Australian accent. Yeah, we're, we can't piss off Australia this I early. I don't know why. Like, it's, it's not going to go well. So the last theory that kind of builds on that and... I think it's the most out there and less evidence. <laughs> <laughs> less in the world not of saying, reality. Not eliminating any possibility. I'm just saying there's less factual circumstances behind this one. Is that the government is actually experimenting with ways to how to trigger the eruption themselves so they can get control over our country. But they have control over our country. <laughs> they also, you're saying the government's doing it. Some people think it could be an overpopulation mechanism control and um someone on reddit said like the science is mostly about how to prevent the eruption but i imagine they've looked at the other side and it might be a valid option at the moment obviously it would be devastating but it would further justify the government takeover (laughs) that person on reddit needs to get some help they're thinking a little too much about there's a lot of people banding behind that feeling um but I think we can all agree the consensus is Yellowstone has erupted in the past, and it's been a tragedy in the past if humanity was on the planet to see it. It would have wiped us out, or it would have had serious circumstances. I don't know if it would have wiped out the whole planet, but it definitely would have devastated America. Where- and that's all that matters. <laughs> America. America. Um, drink your beer, get your flag, you know. All American things. Don't wear your masks. Don't wear your mask. Just, just, just kidding. Please wear your mask. Please. We're not condoning that. Anyway, I think where the discrepancy arises is how much people know within the government system, how much scientists know, uh, how close this is to being within our reality, and whether there's something we can do about it. Um, I couldn't find that much support that we have a system in place if we start seeing warning signs of a volcano eruption like like yeah it's great that these scientists are telling me that we would see warning signs ahead but what do we do about those warning signs (laughs) i mean i think that's kind of their job well they don't have their they don't have it figured out and we need it figured out pronto because as we've seen in 2020 when we don't have plans for disasters, everything goes great and the world's happy. <laughs> In my dreams, um, worldwide panic. So, I I don't have a solution to this theory, but 
it's one that got me fascinated in questioning the world around me and, you know, a good old fun recreational park like Yellowstone. Um, I can sit still in class now. I don't constantly worry about my own well, I still... <laughs> yeah, let's not jump I, the gun here. If you know me, you know I worry about worst possible case scenarios. But I don't worry about Yellowstone anymore. <laughs> I've just shifted I, it to other topics. I've shifted it to other things that we'll probably get into later. But that is my conspiracy theory for this week. So what's your consensus on it? Um, I am going to go with the scientists and more on the side of like, either we're good for a long time or or we'll know when the warning signs pop up. Like, I, I don't really see any evidence of the government cover-up for it. I just think that the government's inefficient and, like, doesn't have its all of its info together. So what about you? Like, what do you actually believe? Like, do you really think it's... I don't know if I'm fully there with the government takeover thing, but I do think it's interesting that the scientists themselves disagree and have different takes on it. Um, because, I mean, obviously that's how science goes, right? We have different hypotheses, different theories, but I don't know which scientific model I believe in more. I think the first model of, like, it's never going to erupt again is a little bit too idealistic, and I don't think I agree with that. I mean, I just don't know enough about volcanoes, I'll be honest. <laughs> I mean, who does, though? No one. No one does. Not even... I would hope scientists that study volcanoes know a little bit. But not even the experts can conclude for sure that this is not a problem. Well, we'll see. So, I I don't know. I hope I got you guys thinking. I don't think I was very convincing on the government takeover. Probably because I'm not fully there myself. But look into this more because it's... I think it's interesting. And we can move on to Maddie's conspiracy theory. Yeah, so <clears throat> when, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Enjoy that lovely coughing sound. Um, I was worried when um, you first started talking, even though I was almost positive you weren't going to do this, because I had similar motivations for the reason I picked mine. Of, I had kind of two standards I wanted to meet. One, I wanted to start off with a theory that actually has some evidence, some plausibility to it, um, some, you know, you could be convinced of this. Um, but also, I wanted to pick something that, a story that got me into, interested in, you know, these mysterious stories and... Oh, so you picked one too that got you into Yeah, it was one that, like, from an we, early age... We didn't talk about that, guys. No, That's I was weird. scared you were, when you were about to say it, and, like, I knew you weren't going to do it, but for a moment I hesitated, um... Yeah, it's one that I think every kid in America knows about and always wonders about because there's no answers. The disappearance of Amelia Earhart. Oh, that's a good one. So start with the sources. Uh, cite your sources, kids. Don't get in trouble for plagiarism. Uh, Wikipedia, the good old classic. Love her. Um, She's Amelia, struggling, Wikipedia. I know. I, well, I checked it many times and they kept asking for money and I yeah, didn't get money. Oof. Sorry. Maybe I will after this. We'll see how it goes. See how good the information... It was a very, very long Wikipedia page. Like, I've heard a lot about this, but I'm interested to see what you have. Other sources. Uh, AmeliaEarhart.com, National Geographic, History.com, and I rewatched a BuzzFeed Unsolved on it Ooh. because... Um, shout out to BuzzFeed Unsolved. Entertained me for many an hour. We're big fans. 
So I thought it'd be good to start with some background about Amelia Earhart, even though we all know about her accomplishments as a pilot. Um, turns out her early life was super interesting. So I, I took, yeah, I ended up taking a lot of notes here just because it really, I was fascinated with her upbringing. So she was born July 24th, 1897 in Atchison, Kansas, uh, to a fairly well-off family. They seemed pretty respected in the community. Uh, Amelia and her sister Grace were both described as tomboys growing up, which I only included because, like, maybe that's my thing. Like, every conspiracy has to have a sister. Oh, in that's there. interesting. I'm not going to do that. But no, she'll do it. No, I just, she'll, <laughs> she will not. I'm not going to commit her to that. That's pretty hard. But I just thought that was fun. Um, and later in her teenage years, she had a bit of personal tor- turmoil because uh, her grandmother died, and then pretty soon after that, her father started to struggle with alcoholism. Had a few attempts to rehabilitate himself. I don't think they went well. Um, but despite all of this, Amelia stayed focused on her goals of success. She was very ambitious, very smart. Girl power. Yeah. No, this is the girl power. And uh, when she moved from Kansas to, I think, Chicago, I didn't write that down, but I'm pretty sure it's Chicago, she had canvassed the local high schools in search of the one with the best science program. Wow. As a teenager. Good for yeah. her. And then she described one of them as the chemistry lab was like just like a kitchen sink, which was a negative. <laughs> I can tell that's pretty bold. Uh, I didn't realize she had guts like that. Oh, well, you're going to love this then. Another cute detail. Again, not relevant to the conspiracy. <laughs> just let's prop up Amelia Earhart more than she already is. Um, she kept newspaper clippings um, in a scrapbook about successful women in male-dominated fields. Get it, girl! Girl! Was she, like, the Oprah Winfrey of that generation? Um, I'm not... She wasn't giving people free cars. <laughs> like, I don't know what that comparison is. <laughs> I, well, I mean more like the... Inspiring... You get an airplane and you get an airplane! <laughs> you get an airplane, all of you. But she didn't build airplanes, so... <laughs> Oprah doesn't build cars. <laughs> I I think it was I think it's all pretty, hail Oprah the mechanic. <laughs> Oprah the mechanic. Um, I think it's mostly like it's it's part of why she's still known today is that she was a trailblazer then and is you know and then even with her aviation continues being a trailblazer. So, um, at one point again, this isn't that relevant, but I just thought this stuff is really interesting because I didn't know any of this stuff about her. Um, at one point, she started working as a nurse and even treated patients of the Spanish flu. Whoa! I know, our little next-door neighbor pandemic. That's crazy. Um, and during this time, she contracted some sort of, like, sinus-related sickness. It had a fancy name, but... Um, Not Spanish flu-related? No. No, okay. it's some sinus thing. I just didn't... I, there was a fancy name for it, but I didn't care. <laughs> sorry, Amelia. Um, no, sorry all the science folks here yeah i just it was it had a name it's on the wikipedia page um uh, and had to spend a year like recovering either from the illness or from a surgery or something um i only mentioned this moment in her life because um on the wikipedia page it said that she spent that year reading poetry studying mechanics and learning to play the banjo that is that's range Amelia's got range. I just, I really thought that was a detail worth mentioning. I would pay anything to see Amelia Earhart flying a plane while playing the banjo. Oh my god. While reciting poetry. And studying mechanics. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I feel like the mechanic part already ties into like the. But she wasn't um, into airplanes at this point yet. Oh, she's about to be. Okay. Um, so she had flew in a plane with like a pilot friend of hers for the first time. Um, right after that, she decided she had to become a pilot and had to work three jobs to raise the money for for pilot lessons. But in uh, 1923, Earhart became the 16th woman to be issued a pilot's license in the U.S. Uh, and then this is the part I think most people know about her as her, you know, aviation accomplishments. Um, she started to develop like this celebrity status with how um, amazing she was at flying. She started breaking a lot of records and some big events were in 1928, um, Wilmer Stoltz and Amelia Earhart, she was just a passenger, not a pilot, but um, completed a transatlantic flight and completed the, and this is a separate accomplishment, and Amelia completed her first solo trans transatlantic flight in uh, 1932, the second person ever to do so. Second person ever. Ever? First woman, second person. Oh, first woman. Ooh. Charles Lindbergh famously did the first one, and then she's the second one to do it alone. Nice. Um, so yeah, she's a killing it. She's doing like competitive flying, breaking records left and right, doing these long haul trips, which is just so cool. I just also, this is a little detail because, uh, fun fact, Izzy is very into fashion and sewing. That's true. So I thought you would appreciate this. Um, once she be started to become this celebrity, uh, she would get promotions to promote different products or certain things, like that type of thing. Um, but she would go beyond just like, oh, I use this type of tool. Like, she would go beyond just like promoting it and would actually, uh, for one of her deals, would sew her own clothes and then Macy's would essentially, like, take her design and release it worldwide to stores. Like, under this, like, Amelia Earhart design, like, That is chain. so cool. Right? I was, that like, shocked. I, I had no idea that there was, like, Amelia Earhart clothes. Like, all this is doing is making me an Amelia Earhart I fan. know. Sorry, that was a lot of background. <laughs> That's awesome. I just was, like, I really spent a lot of time sifting through the weeds on Amelia Earhart because that was crazy. So... All of this leads to her plan to do a world flight um, in 1937. Uh, she had attempted it once before, but then they had a lot of plane problems. Um, and she was going to do this with her navigator, Fred Noonan. Um, and, yes. Noonan? Is that a name? Yeah, Noonan. <laughs> real person, is he? Noonan? Noonan. How do you spell it? Um, I already flipped my page. Hold on. It's N-O-O-N-A-N. Noonan. I'm really sorry if anyone is named Noonan. Not because it's a bad name. I just, I think it's got a cute ring to it. Noonan. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> wow. So, um, sorry to, yeah, sorry to the Noonans out there. <laughs> I didn't realize that was so. I like it. I like it. the little, it's got a softness to it. Anyway. So, um, this worldwide trip, I didn't write down all the destinations, but um, essentially just goes around the full circumference of the globe, would have been 29,000 miles um, and would have taken about 40 days to complete um, since airplanes were not as super fast back then. And she would have been the first woman ever to do this. Um, so they set off on May 21st, 1937. And fast forwarding a few days on not a few days, but on July 2nd, 1930, 1937, this is 42 days into the trip, 
um, Earhart and Noonan left Lae, New Guinea with full fuel tanks. They had had to fully restock because this is the toughest part of the journey since you have to essentially go from New Guinea to this one super, super small island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean in order to then finish on the way to California. Um, so after she took off, there were reports of significantly high um, head speed, like the air coming back at them, which would dramatically affect how fast the plane can go and their gas consumption. Um, and there's a lot of technical difficulties with Earhart's radio and that it wasn't like set up to be in sync with the radios both here and later in the story. But um, so as far as we know, she never actually received the radio reports of this. But she's a skilled pilot. I mean, do some people think she did receive it? No. No? Okay. Like, they just don't know. Like, they think she's a smart enough pilot that she could probably figure it out. That like, hey, we're probably going through more gas than usual. But um, it, they, it's just that they don't think they actually were able to tell her that. Um, so, as I said before, the plan was to leave New Guinea and then you have to land on this tiny island called Howland Island to refuel and then take off again. So, a Coast Guard ship, the Itasca, was supposed to give her weather advice and, like, kind of was just supposed to be her, like, eyes on the ground as she neared Howland Island. And we know Earhart must have been fairly close to Howland Island because the Itasca did hear her radio transmissions. Like, they got into enough range of each other that they could um, briefly communicate, but it was, again, a lot of radio troubles. The Wikipedia page had an excessive amount of info about radios that I really... You just couldn't sift through it. Izzy, I couldn't sift through it. I got the gist of, like, their radios weren't, weren't working right. Um, in one of her last transmissions, Earhart radioed, quote, we must be right on top of you, but cannot see you. Gas is running low. Ooh, what does that mean? It means that they, like, they knew they were close to the island, but they couldn't find it. It's this tiny thing. Um, the people on the Itasca, they don't, they can't see her, but they are, they are getting some of her transmissions. So she's close, but no one, she's not there. Um, so when the plane does not land and she's not heard from again, the Itasca starts to search nearby waters and a few other U.S. military ships are brought in within the next few days. But Earhart, Noonan, or their plane has never been found. That's true. That's where the disappearance comes in. Yeah. Mysterious disappearance. <clears throat> now, so, I do know... I'll let you get into it. Yeah. So, theory one is the most commonly accepted theory and is the official position of the U.S. government, which is called just the crash and sink theory. It's fairly simple. This one, experts think that Earhart and Noonan got slightly off course en route, um, and that, coupled with the communication issues, prevented them from finding Howland Island. And according to the theory, the plane simply ran out of fuel and crashed into the ocean, killing both Earhart and Noonan. Um, however, no evidence of their plane or the remains has ever been found. <clears throat> um, one company called Nauticos, uh, with several business partners, has made numerous attempts over the last, like, 15 years, like this pretty recent history, to use sonar technology to find <clears throat> plane wreckage in this ocean, but um, they've found literally nothing. So they've invested advanced technology into mm -hmm. finding any evidence of a 
sink scenario, and they found nothing? No. Hmm. It's But it's also, it's a tough ocean to do it in, because it can be as deep as 18,000 feet, and then it's also coupled with the fact that this is 60 plus years later. Yeah, um, that's fair. So it's just, it's tough, but yeah, no, nothing's ever been found. So this, again, is, like, the most commonly accepted story. It's what most people believe. Um, it's probably what logically happened. Uh, maybe. I like to believe in the flare. Okay, well, then you're going to like theory number two, which I just wrote castaway, period. <laughs> I like that. I like the castaway thing. So this theory um, has been investigated a lot by TIGHAR, which is the International Group for Historical Air Aircraft Recovery. Um, that's a whole group. Yeah, that's their that's their thing. Shout out to Tiger. No, Go just, Tiger. Um, so in this theory, after missing Howland Island, Earhart instead landed on the nearby-ish. It, it's not like super close, but close enough. Um, the nearby Gardner Island, which is now called Nikumaroo. I might butcher that. I tried to write it out phonetically, but I don't think it helped me that much. Um, <laughs> And one reason people think that she could have landed on this island, island is a loose term. It's like kind of like just a, it's like a land space. It, it's like a kind of like a coral. It's very small. Like it's like almost nothing. Is um, it kind of like when you're on a ship and you see like a little splash of land? Yeah. So what? For apparently, like if she were to have landed here, it would have had to have been in low tide. Okay. Because there isn't enough of like a beach to land otherwise. Um, if that puts it a bit more in perspective. One reason people think that she might have landed on this island was that I think in her last received transmission ever, I didn't write down the full thing, but she's saying we're on the 157337 line, as in like a navigational line to follow, which would not have made, it would have, it's adjacent to Howland Island, but if they're following that line, they wouldn't have ever like come across the island they were supposed to be hitting. But if you go a little farther, Gardner Island is exactly on that line. That's pretty compelling to me. Um, it is like another like 300 or so nautical miles away, but um, it is like on that line and they would have seen it. Well, because if, if they, they were never projected to reach where they claimed to be going anyway, I mean, I think that's kind of... I mean, I think it's just that they thought they were on the correct line and that they weren't. I see. There was a lot of, like, they were also supposed to use the radios for, like, navigation, but then the tech for that wasn't working right. So there was, like, a lot of things that just went wrong. But the, the theory is that just, oh, she got on this, they got on this navigation line thinking it was the right one. They know they've made some mistake. They're running out of fuel, so they stop here. So did they, like, perish on this island? So, well, this is, again, theory, but she landed safely, but probably died before she could be rescued, her and Fred Noonan. So, some of the evidence of this is that later in 1937, the same year, a British party who was interested in colonizing the island found what they described as an overnight campsite, even though the island was uninhabited. <clears throat> Sorry, I keep having a cough. Excuse me. Um, and by 1938, a year later, when those same colonists were on the island, there were reports of finding airplane parts. That, okay. But, but, okay, okay that's crazy. But, 
there's no like evidence of it. This is all you just gave me like pretty da- danging evidence. And you're like, oh, but there's no evidence. No, I'm just, I thought that was really cool too, but it was only in one article I read. And I think it's just a matter of like, none of it got like actually maintained. Like, I think that is super compelling. And it it's more evidence than the first theory. I mean, I guess, but, but again, it's just like, it could just be people kind of making up a story at this point because we just don't know like there's just no record of like people actually it's not like anyone took a photo of finding this stuff or anything it's just i'm it's all just the dots. i'm connecting the dots well, here you're gonna like where this goes then um so in 1940 um i wrote this is where it gets interesting <laughs> in 1940 the colonial administrator on the island found 13 bones near the remains of a campfire bones Bones. Human bones. Human bones. Well, I think we know whose bones those probably were. So, uh, here's the problem with the bones. Oh, no. Oh, uh, no. There's, so there's the doctor who initially evaluated the bones. He determined through the measurements that he took that they were of a, a man who was short and stocky, which does not match either Earhart or Fred Noonan, her navigational partner. Um, what was Noonan's build? I think he was, like, tall and lanky. Like, so the direct opposite. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was, the initial evaluation of this partial skeleton was that, that it, it did not match either of them. Um, so the bones were subsequently shipped to Fiji, um, where I think they were measured again by the same doctor, um, and then subsequently lost. Are you kidding me? No, that's... He had one job. Well, it was, like, according to the BuzzFeed Unsolved, he just threw them out. He was like, what? We don't need them. It's not them. He possibly threw out Amelia Earhart's bones. And it's possible, I think, that he misdiagnosed. Because if he's that incompetent that he throws out bones, he might not understand women's builds. Okay, well, that's maybe not the point. I've connected the dots. You didn't connect anything, but, um... I think it's just, it's more so frustrating because if he had just kept them, like, we might be able to apply, like, DNA analysis or all these things now to actually know. So now there's been, you know, varying opinions on the gender and approximated height and weight of the person where some people do think it could have matched Earhart's description, but it's just, uh, like, without the actual bones, it's just people, like, arguing about something that they they can't measure, you know? I, I guess. Um, so that group Tiger, though, their, I think, president? I don't remember. That, um, the, he thinks that the reason they only found 13 bones is because on this island you have um, these, like, giant crabs. <laughs> like, I didn't write down what Wait, they're called. This... I thought, no, I thought you were going to say, like, <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were going to say, like, chimpanzees or, like, no. alligators crabs think like a three foot long crab they're called coconut crabs that's it because their their piercers can literally crack a coconut what yes yeah, so, so he believes this the one guy who's in charge of this group who's you know very invested in this theory um he thinks that the like they either they probably just perished and then the crabs over time like ate parts of their body moved them around like burrowed their bones so that like that's the reason we haven't found more of their bones. Was I just think because, that's 
that's a fair reason. So lastly, in terms of evidence for this theory, um, with the bones, they found two shoes, a man and a woman's. Though the woman's shoe was too big for Earhart's, I believe. I, I don't know about you. I wear shoes that don't fit me all the time. I don't do that. <laughs> Never. I tend to just, maybe this is just me, but I tend to like, if I really like a pair of shoes or, or it's something like they don't have my size, I'm just like, oh, I'll get the size down or size up. Like, what? You do that? Yes. You wouldn't just order it? I don't have time for that. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, Amelia's a girl like me, where it's she doesn't really care about the direct fit. She might have just wanted a good old pair of shoes. Um, and lastly... She's and just directly ignoring me. I just don't know how to... I don't think... I think we're disrespecting Earhart and Newton talking about... R.I.P. I, I respect them both. Um, and lastly, and I think this is really compelling evidence, um, with these the same bones, they also found a box that once held a sextant... I don't know if I'm saying that right, but um, it's a navigational device. That's it. It's Amelia. That's um, it. That's that's the piece. That's the missing piece. You found it. Yeah. Mystery solved. I mean, I think one challenge with this theory, and it's the same challenge as the baseline theory that they just crashed, is that no, the plane has never been found. Like, there's no, like, if they did crash land on this island, you would, it's, I don't know how far the plane would have gotten, but I think at this point it's still, it's been searched thoroughly and there's nothing. That's true. There's also some other stuff that supports this. I didn't write it all down because it gets to be more, like, flimsy evidence about, like, radio transmissions that weren't actually heard and stuff, but, um, and we're running long, so <laughs> I'll jump to, um, the last theory. There's a bunch of theories, but... I think they start to get in the territory of downright nuts. I have heard some. So this is the last one that, like, actually has some level of evidence behind it, but is still pretty wild. Um, So this is, I titled it the Marshall Islands Conspiracy. Um, So like the second theory, this one suggests that when Earhart couldn't find Howland Island, she headed north to the Japanese-controlled Marshall Islands. Um, and that's awesome. Well, you'll like this sentence. Um, under this theory, too, her and Noonan are then taken captive by the Japanese, potentially as U.S. spies. Oh. Or as suspicion for being U.S. spies. That's, that's interesting. But there's no real evidence that she was a spy. So, like, there's one guy really well, I, pushed I don't her. think it's trying to claim she was a spy. I think it's trying to say they thought she was a spy. Yeah, it's a little, I mean, it's, it's a little unclear. Um, so, some think that she was a spy for the U.S. government and this was the backup plan. Well, um, some think it was just, like, the Japanese did it based on suspicion. A little unclear. Um, so, you might be wondering, what's the evidence for this pretty ambitious theory? Um, this one Earhart enthusiast, he's following up on the work of other people, but I just thought he was particularly interesting. Um, his name is Dick Splint. <laughs> That's <a unfortunate laughs> I'm <name>. so sorry. <laughs> I tried to get through that one. <laughs> she said it so seriously, too. I just had to get into that mindset of, like, it's not funny. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. But, um, but sorry, Dick. He's a... He has spent $50,000 of his own money searching the Marshall Islands for evidence, and also, and this is the interesting part, collecting oral histories from the inhabitants. 
So for years, for decades, people on the Marshall Islands have said that Earhart was there, that Noonan was there, and that they, that's where they were. But it's just never been, like, officially. So this is, like, a folktale now. Yeah, I mean, just the, the people, a lot of people on that island will say that that's what they, that, yeah, Air, Amelia Earhart was on this island. Oh, but um, That's crazy. If that's true... Well, there's also, people got really excited because they found a photo. I was going to bring up the photographs. There, I have seen a photograph. It's awful. Like, it's a little blurry. Not just a little blurry. They're like, you see that, like, smudge in the background? It's Amelia Earhart. I, I know it's not substantial evidence, but I got so excited when I found that photograph. I think it's not great. Sorry. I know. I know it's nothing. I know it's probably nothing. I know she probably... Crashed in the ocean. But I Um, think the last theory is really thrilling. Well, so here's the thing that might take the wind out of your sails a little bit. Um, Most professional pilots don't account, don't think this theory is possible. In fact, a lot of them think it's absurd. Just because based on the amount of fuel they think she had, that the distance would have been impossible to have gotten to Marshall Islands. Well, but like then some people think like, oh, maybe she water landed like a Japanese freighter picked her up and, like, got her there anyways. I don't know, but... Are most professional pilots Amelia Earhart? It's just that... No, they're not. (laughs) Are they? She was amazing. She could do anything. She was the first woman to do all these amazing flights. I think you got to account for that. I'm just saying, they think she had about, like... She was running out of fuel at Howland Island, and to get to Marshall Islands would have taken another, like, four hours by plane. Uh, I know they're probably right. I know, but I want so badly for, like, some cool espionage side to this story. I mean, yeah, so those are the three theories I actually think are interesting, and with some evidence, there's a lot of wacky ones that, like, ranging from her and Noonan were allowed back into the U.S. but under assumed names and that she's this person in New Jersey. And then she... I've heard some about her being part of, like, the Illuminati well, on the task force. Yeah, and there's another weird one that she was, like, part of this, like, radio propaganda thing. But it's just, like, there's there stops being any evidence. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's one of those stories. I remember learning about Amelia Earhart in third grade, and just being, like, you're so impressed by her, and it's this great story, but then your teacher just has to be like, yeah, and she never did it, and she's, that we've never seen her again. So I have a confession. I, I watched Night at the Museum 2, the Smithsonian version. <laughs> okay. Smithsonian. Uh, Smithsonian? How do you say it? Smithsonian. Got it. I'm so proud. <laughs> thank you. And I watched that movie when I was relatively young because I'm still pretty young and some would say <laughs> I kind of thought her character was a little annoying I forget who played her I, I don't have any problems with the actress but from that moment I was like oh Amelia Earhart she's like you know she's kind of like annoying because I associated her with that movie and I love that <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie now Let's stop doing the podcast that we're reviewing movies. <laughs> I'm also able to distinguish her in history from her in... A fictional retelling of her. A Ben Stiller movie. I think she's an interesting gal, and I think there's a lot of unsolved, 
cool aspects to this story. Yeah, I mean, I just find the whole thing really tragic. Um, what do you believe? Like, if someone put a knife to your throat? Um, I mean, it's hard to say. Like, I think the biggest question mark is just, like, the plane's never found. And, like, I think we're too far gone now to ever find it in any definitive way. hate to say it because it's just been, I mean, nearly, what, 80 years? So... I mean, I think it's theory one or two. I think it was, you know... You I, don't buy the last one? No. No, I do not. <laughs> not really. I think it's interesting that, like, for decades, the people on that island have claimed that, but, I mean, I just think that, like, I don't think that's what happened. I think it's that, you know, it's either this, like, you know, castaway situation or just a crash landing. Um, it's hard without, like, with all the evidence kind of being thrown away, literally. How do you, like, how much do you buy into the castaway evidence, though? Do you just toss it aside, like, like the doctor No, I, I, I don't toss it aside. It's just, like, there's also some stuff I'm leaving out about it of, like, a few days after, like, maybe a week after she went missing, they did do, like, a flyover of the island. Like, I don't think it was, like, specifically to see if they were on it, but, like, they didn't see anything. But that might have, like, I don't think that was the goal. I think it was just they were flying en route to somewhere else and, like, they were like, nope, don't see anything. But I don't know. I, I think it's just the biggest question mark is just if they were on this island, like, how'd the plane get so far away from the island? Like, and it's really tragic to think about, like, how long they could have been on the island. Yeah. No, it's sad. Um, so, yeah, and, like, I just think it's sad because, like, I said earlier, it was like, supposed to be around a 40-day journey, and this was on day 42 that this happened, and it's pretty much from, like, the distances. They had, like, a day left of flying. Really? They only had, like, 7,000 miles oh. left. So they were really close, and just, and we have no clue. Like, we do have a clue, but it's, like, we're probably never gonna get a definitive answer. That's disappointing. But I think it's very interesting, and I like that you picked this theory. I mean, it just really bothered me as a kid, because it's, like, Here's Amelia Earhart. She's this feminist. She's also a big feminist. She was a big pusher of the Equal Rights Amendment, which um, for some reason was not enacted, but that's besides the point. Um, but yeah, and she's like this super impressive woman who was ambitious and challenged everything. And, and yeah, just that's it. So I think it's interesting that we both chose things that fascinated us as kids oh my god I was terrified for a split second that you had done Amelia Earhart and I was about to be <laughs> so mad well I also found her disappearance pretty interesting but I didn't know all these details yeah I could be wrong about some of it like it was a bit of um it's a bit of that thing of like kind of cascades on itself like kind of like telephone of like there's like different reports of like that there was only one shoe, or that it was, like, this brand of shoe. Like, it, you just get kind of in the weeds of, like, uh, like, there was, I read something else that, like, there was a jar of, like, freckle cream found on the island that, like, she might have used. But it's, like, why would she be using freckle cream if she's, like... Freckle cream? Is that a thing? I, that's what it said in the article. <laughs> Is it meant to give you freckles, or... I don't know. Or, like, counter... I was assuming counter. Body. I don't think there's a, like, unless you're just wiping mud on your face to, like, give you more There freckles. is freckle implant now. Have you That's, seen that? 
plastic surgeons can give you freckles. Ugh. And it's, like, semi-permanent. Why? It's, I, it was a I mean, trend. it's better than people tattooing freckles, which I have seen. Yeah, I, it might be the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people are directly implanting freckles themselves. You, but you just, you changed it from surgeons to tattoo artists. Well, it's, like, it's definitely a more medical role than, I don't know if they're a surgeon, per se, but... You just said there's a surgical procedure <laughs> freckles implanted, and I said, I know people get them tattooed, and you go, that's it. <laughs> well, I don't, I admit I'm not a freckle connoisseur. I don't know. It's your next conspiracy. Next conspiracy. Well, I thought it was interesting we both chose things that sparked our interest, and it's a good way to kick off the podcast. Yeah. So, we do have a Gmail. Yeah, if you want to send in some listener mail, give us your thoughts, give us requests, anything. Criticism. Criticism. Be careful with criticism. Don't be a hater, but, you know, I'm delicate. So, so the email is seriously conspiracy podcast. It's very long and a lot of room for spelling mistakes at gmail.com. Can you just repeat that one more time, Maddie? Seriously conspiracy podcast at gmail.com. Thank so, yeah, you so much. Send in any suggestions. We... We're figuring it out. We'd love to hear from you guys. And Even if it's just, hey, just screw you. We'll probably respond because... My, my net last name's Noonan and I'm personally <laughs> offended. If any Noonans are out there, please, we want to hear from you. If there's any attorneys of Oprah who would like to reach out about claims that were made about her. Any freckle surgeons out there who want to clear some up, some information for us. But yeah, so make sure to spell conspiracy right if you're interested um that's the end of the first episode i think we're gonna try and do it what weekly yeah i think we haven't discussed that <laughs> i just announced that we haven't discussed that but i think that's a good goal um stay curious stay serious and stay i don't know what this we're doing stay in oh i think you anyway all right bye, bye.